let's get real. It's the stuff nobody talks about, labor and everything after. Last time, we brought you the pros. But this time, it's the real pros, our moms, Hannah and Heather. This is Pre-Motherhood with Teresa Priolo. From New York City, USA, welcome to the Fox 5 Podcast Network. Today we're talking about labor and everything after. And from my understanding, having not gone through it yet, there is a lot that comes after. That's a that's a lofty goal on our behalf here to kind of try to tackle this. But I've brought in two moms who are willing to get real with me about this and tell me everything that other people are not willing to tell me. <laughs> and maybe some of the stuff that they are. Um, I'll let you both introduce yourself. Thank you both for being here. We'll start with you. Hi, I'm uh, Hannah Lowe Corman, and I have a almost six-month-old baby boy. Okay, and? I'm Heather York, and I have a two-year-old daughter. So both of you have bravely stepped up to the plate to tell me what I'm going to experience <laughs> and what I'm <laughs> likely not going to miss out on. Did you guys, in general, have good birthing experiences? Yes, I will say. I think leading up to it, I felt pretty confident that the labor and delivery was going to be okay. And um, <laughs> uh, I've done yoga for a long time and I had done prenatal yoga and so I thought okay I've got this um, in the actual moment it wasn't it wasn't that terrible honestly really I, yeah no it really because wasn't that's not my perception of it but I mean it was bad <laughs> but it wasn't it it I don't know it wasn't like a horror story you know um, I got the epidural, epidural and I was really that was almost like the worst part for me the decision to do it because I'd gone into it thinking I'm not going to get the meds I'm going to go um you all know natural all natural without any without any assistance and it kind of got to the point where I was like uh I think I think I want the epidural and the anesthesiologist came in and then I was like uh no 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 I can do it I can do it I can do it and I and that was like the hardest moment for me I had a little bit of um you know a little bit of a meltdown but I said okay let's do it and yes. Um, thank God I did because it was totally fine after that. And even I had a lot of fear around like actually getting the epidural, the needle and this big swatch of tape that they have over your back. And the fact that it just like this tube just stays in your spine. I was really freaked out about that. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute because I have some, a lot of questions about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, but it was, it was fine. And then like after that, everything was, you know, smooth sailing. And Heather, you said that you have obviously a two-year-old, and we have, we have your little girl with us. Yes, she just woke up from her nap. She just woke up, um, and you clearly got through the birthing process just fine because yes. she's here. She's, <laughs> she's alive and well, and uh, and happy you know. to be here. <laughs> did you, did your birthing uh, sort of from the onset? Did your birthing experience with your daughter Cadence did she, did it go the way you had intended? Uh, to be honest, I didn't want to know how it was going to go. I did no research on labor and delivery I hate needles so I knew I was going to be getting a couple of needles um and I was really nervous for the whole process so I didn't do a lot of research so I I didn't have a birth plan I was kind of just go with the flow whatever happens happens I don't really want to feel anything so yeah I'm so I mean the whole not feeling anything I am so with you on that one because (laughs) the my number one fear about this whole process is the pain. 
which is why I'm actually so looking forward to the epidural, even if that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Because I'm like, that might be my relief. Like that might be my savior in a vial, (laughs) you know? But but so so you made the conscious decision. I'm not going to read every book and dig deep into all this information. Correct. Because throughout the entire like my entire pregnancy, everybody has an opinion. Everybody thinks they're right, and people have no filter. And I just learned that you have to do it for yourself, for your family, and what makes you happy. And you can listen to people's advice, but at the end of the day, it's what you want. And I was open to whatever, whatever my doctor suggested. If I felt like it was right, then I was going to do it. So let's start from the um, the first signs of labor. Um, I have heard people say that they went from like zero to 60 in no time flat and they had no idea what hit them. And I've had other people say that they were walking around their apartment for 12 hours, hoping that this thing would just move along. What was your experience? Well, I was actually induced. So okay, yeah. So I so don't. There was have no the walking ex- around the apartment. No, for you. No, it was like set the alarm for four forty-five, go to the hospital, and wait. And, and what wait. was that like? I I was also freaked out about that. I gotta say, <laughs> I think maybe I took the opposite approach of Heather in that, like, I feel like I did so much research ahead of time. I was like, this is what I want, and. I pushed back on every decision, even when my doctor said, we need to induce you early. I said, well, maybe we can just wait like another week or two weeks. Um, you wanted to keep that kid in. Yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think he's fine. And you know, they were like, no, he needs to come out. Um, yeah, so going up to the hospital to, to be induced was, uh, was overwhelming, but then you expect it, right? So you're just kind of sitting there. They're putting the drugs in through your IV. The Pitocin, is that what you got? Exactly. Um, And even before the Pitocin, they give you a drug to start to um, make your cervix softer to try and open it on its own without having to kind of like force it open with the Pitocin. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did. did Did you feel anything in that process? I really didn't. It was okay. really fine. So I got to the hospital around 5 in the morning. They started the drugs around, I guess, maybe around 7 or 8. Didn't really feel anything. Um, once they checked me around 11, there really hadn't been any movement. So they did the balloon, which I don't know if you've heard of that. Which dilates the cervix. Exactly. And that's when things started getting real because it's, mm-hmm. you know, like manually forcing your cervix open with a tool to yeah that doesn't pry it open right any stretch of the imagination (laughs) i had the same thing with the balloon you had the balloon too Mm -hmm. yep two balloons yeah so you were you induced as well i was induced okay i was two days did your water break at home either of you no no okay so your water had to break in the hospital i was doing like everything possible to try and get this baby to come out naturally before the induction date since they wouldn't let me move it back, I was like, let me see if I can get it going. So what did you do? Did before. you try acupuncture? I did, did acupuncture, um, sex. Um, Which I would imagine, by the way, not that anybody ever talks about this, but I would imagine at that point, like when you're nine months pregnant, I, I can't imagine that sex is really what it used to be. And no, no. No, so that's not fun anymore. And even, and I think even like for my husband, he was he was more 
anxious about it than I was. He's like, I'm going to crush the baby. I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> and he's going to head or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've heard that from people. So you tried everything um, in your past. So you tried sex. You tried acupuncture. What else did you try? Um, I had read that eating dates maybe can start labor. So I was eating a lot of dates. So eventually you got to the hospital too? Um, I had a ultrasound mm-hmm. um, on a Monday, her due date. And she was still cooking, didn't want to come out. And during the ultrasound, they saw that I was a little low on fluid. And so I was kind of just begging them to induce me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they hooked me up to this monitor to see. And I was having contractions, but I didn't feel them because they weren't the right kind of contractions. Um, so they were like, okay, go home, get your stuff, and we'll induce you. So I went home, took a shower, had a big meal, walked to the hospital because I'm four blocks from the hospital. Um, and they induced me on a Tuesday. And the same thing, like I wasn't dilated, my cervix wasn't soft or anything like that. So it, it took a while. Uh, they did the balloon. Not a fun experience whatsoever. Is that um, the part of induction that hurts? Is it the balloon? When people talk about, oh, it, being induced hurts. What part of it is very painful besides the balloon? I think the contractions. like When the contractions they, start? In I guess they say that the Pitocin-induced contractions are more painful than natural contractions. They're harder. They last longer. Um, and they're more rapid. And I believe that's because in natural contractions, your body is producing its own oxytocin that is stimulating the contractions and also, um, you know, giving like a happy, a happy. Like an uh, endorphin rush Exactly, of some kind. exactly. And then the Pitocin, it's the chemical or like man-made version of that hormone. And it like bypasses the part of your brain that gives you the positive. It's only giving you the negative and causing these really painful contractions. Awesome. I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to, right? Like, I only had the Pitocin-induced contraction, so I don't know that, like, a natural contraction for me would have been better or worse or whatever. But you know that it was painful. It was painful, and I don't know about you, but for me it was really unexpected because I had back labor, which was... Which I've heard is a whole other beast. It was just unexpected. I was like, oh, I can deal with, you know, cramps in my abdomen Mm -hmm. and my uterus. This was, like, in my hips... And my thighs. Oh. I have never. It felt like someone was like stabbing me in the thighs. That was like, oh, what? I was sitting on ice packs. It was. Oh, that's not fun. It was weird. Um, and as your doula had said, I guess that pressing on the hips for the counter pressure mm-hmm. helps. It really does. That helps. That totally helps. I would have your partner. Or husband we talked to a doula who said there are ways to counter the um, contractions, and one way is to press on the hips when you're having a contraction uh, to fight the force of them. And she said, you know, at some point, moms will just do anything to let the pain go away, whether that be get the drug or, you know, stand on your head, really, right. I mean, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. So how long did it take you, Heather, to get from, okay, I've been induced to, wow, we're, we're now we're in the thick of it? Uh, it took a little while, so they induced me. And note to self, I learned that once they start the Pitocin, you can't get up to go to the bathroom. You have to go to the bathroom in a bedpan. That well, was new to is me. Is that right? And that was the maybe, like, the second worst part of the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why can't you get up? <laughs> because you're attached to the machine. And the machine is attached to the wall. 
Oh, you've and got that was to be one of those me. moments oh, yeah. where I was like, "Do you not have a portable machine?" Right. And the nurse goes, "You know, I think we used to have one, but I don't know where it is." Mm-hmm. What? It's 2017, 2018. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. What? Yes. Yeah. You have to go in a bedpan. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That also I begs did. the question: like, why no one has invented a better bedpan since the right. invention of bedpans? <laughs> <laughs> agree. I totally agree. Okay, so now you're <laughs> urinating in a bedpan. Yep. That's great. You're so, feeling a lot of pain because your contractions are starting. Correct. And you're still how far away from the actual pushing part? I was a little while. So they in, do, I just, I always remember I was, I went into the hospital at three o'clock and I waited until as long as I could to get the epidural because I hate needles and I have a huge fear of needles. So I wanted to be in as much pain as possible before they gave me the needle. You want to make sure you were ready. Oh, yeah. And um, so it was It was a while until they gave me the epidural. After that, I went to sleep. I passed out for a while, overnight. Mm. Um, you let the epidural and then you fell asleep. Oh, yeah. You, you are groovy. You feel great. You feel nothing. Well, that's nice. They turned <laughs> out the lights. They, I'm, they were great. You, I fell asleep. So it was nice. And then... They would come in every, you know, so often, check my blood pressure, check the baby. She, I ended up with my daughter, her uh, heart rate kept dropping. And so I would have to get on my hands and knees and rock. Interesting. Because mm. they said that would help uh, raise her heart rate. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to be nine months pregnant, hands and knees, only a little cloth over you <laughs> rocking right with a spotlight on you <laughs> so that was fun so that made the time go by yeah quite fast yeah uh but overall it went pretty fast um the whole pushing thing five minutes was that what you anticipated it would be was so when people i think talk about the fear of labor just like you it for me it's the pain of it but then I also keep thinking, but how is something this big going to fit into something that's fit through something that's not this big? Mm-hmm. How does that work out? But I'm pleasantly surprised to hear from a lot of moms that by the time you are ready to push, you're that's really the home stretch. It is. You're you're at the end of the first part, if that makes sense. So once you're ready to push, some of my girlfriends pushed for hours. I was one of the lucky ones that literally pushed for five minutes and she was out. But it depends. But once the baby's out, then you start chapter two, which is the recovery and your child. Right. So we're going to pause you right there because that we're definitely going to get into. So, Hannah, you had planned for a natural childbirth, so you were not going to go the epidural route. Right. And that did not go the way you had anticipated. No. And they say that uh, if you're induced and have Pitocin that nearly 100% of the time you also have the epidural. Because so you were prepared for it? I was trying to get prepared for it. I was trying to wrap my mind around it. Um, I think I had about two weeks between when they said, we want to induce you and when I actually went. So in those two weeks, you know, I wanted to um, not have the epidural, but I, I, in the back of my mind, realized that it was probably going to happen. So trying to just get okay with that Mm -hmm. um so I admire Heather in her like go with the flow approach because honestly no matter what your birth plan is it's out the window so like 
there is an argument to be made for like not having one to begin with because like <laughs> it's who, is not it, are gonna, gonna follow it really it's no not go to plan. no it's right. not so um yeah so and actually i did have a doula and my husband had asked the doula you know what percentage of people who have pitocin cannot have the epidural and she goes she says one and he goes oh one percent and she said no like one person <laughs> oh <laughs> And okay. she's like, that could be you, but just saying. <laughs> now tell me, why did you not want the drugs? I what was it? What what were your personal convictions, or or, or what led you to a place where you said, I want to do this without it? I guess I felt like I could do it without it. So it was an empowerment thing. Yeah, I felt like I got this, and and also I think the fear about this giant tube in my spine, and you hear these horror stories about you know they stuck me five times and they didn't get it right or they stuck it in the wrong place and I ended up with terrible headaches or mm-hmm. all, I mean all the various um, or my leg went numb for six months afterwards I've yeah. heard that or just one of my legs went numb and I still felt the whole thing or whatever yeah you just hear all these things so I was like if I can avoid it fabulous but um, but yeah I didn't avoid it and it was totally fine yeah are you happy that you ultimately had it despite the fact that it wasn't part of your birth plan yes yeah part of me feels like maybe I could have kept going but no I'm happy it was fine I also fell asleep my doula woke me up every 45 minutes to turn me into a new position Mm -hmm. to kind of help the baby start moving downwards because he hadn't dropped at all he wasn't your baby hadn't dropped no did your baby she had dropped. Mm-hmm. Because that's another thing that I hear, that if the baby hasn't dropped yet, that complicates matters even more because you're waiting not only for – you're waiting for all the signs of labor to take place, including the baby to descend. Correct. Yeah. And so they ended up breaking my water to get him to drop, which, again, was one of those things I had researched and was like, oh, I don't really want them to do that because I had heard that once they break your water, it kind of starts a clock of – the baby's got to get out or mm-hmm. else we're going to do a C-section. So in talking about it with my doctor, I said, well, what does this mean in terms of a timeline? And she said, oh, I'll let you go. She said, I've let people go longer than 12 hours. Don't worry. She said, I'm not here to do a C-section. That's great to hear. Yes, it was really reassuring. There are a lot of moms who want a C-section, but there are a lot of people, myself included, who really do want to avoid it at all costs if possible simply because that's major abdominal surgery it's major surgery and a lot of people don't get that, that I mean it's, it's, it's major a big surgery. deal yeah so I would rather go through the process vaginally and just have it be what it is and deal with the after effects than to have surgery if I can help it right and, um, that was and I know a lot of doctors especially in New York City not that they push c-sections but we're so busy as women and we're, our lives in New York City especially are so regimented that a C-section for some women is easier because it fits in with their schedule. And for others, they're like, I don't want any part of it. So you're right. in, the, in the I don't want any part of it category. Yeah. I mean, of course, if it was necessary, fine. We'll do what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it wasn't my desire going in. So how did the actual, how did the actual pushing and that part go when it was go time? 
So my husband claims I was pushing for about 45 minutes. To me, it felt like five minutes. I have no idea. But <laughs> You lost track of time. Totally. Um, and it felt... It was really weird, I don't know about you, because the doctor came in to check my dilation and she was like, okay, we're gonna start pushing. And, and then like, okay, off. start pushing. Like there was no, um, there wasn't like, so here's how we do this. Or like, right, yeah. right. It's like, all right, let's just do this. Yeah, it just happened. And um, did you guys know how to push? No. No. Which apparently is a problem that a lot of new moms make or have. I mean, the baby's going to come out either way. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you think you know how to do it, but you really don't. And no. the, even the doctor, you know, she had her hand on my abdomen and was like, push here. And I thought I was. And but she with was that like, epidural, you're not you... pushing in the right place. I'm like, right. I don't know. <laughs> and with that epidural, you can't really feel it. So you're you're pushing, but you don't really – you're pushing as hard as you can, but you don't feel it, if that right, makes sense. Right, right, right. So – my understanding is they say to you, okay, you're having a contraction, one, two, three, push. push. Yes. And you're supposed to know how to do that. Like as if we're pre-programmed right. to do that, right? As natural as bir- as the birthing process can be, I yeah. don't come with a, you know, a special manual as to how exactly to get the baby. Or at least I don't think I have one, you know. Yeah, it definitely took a few rounds to figure it out. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know... Apparently, I was doing a better job. Right. I don't know. <laughs> you got your kid out, so you did. He came you out. Did, right. Right. Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Were you guys uh, up until that point? Were Were either of you um, surprised by what had happened, or did there come a point where you were just at peace with the process to that point? I think after the epidural, I was at peace because I wasn't in pain. Right. And I. I couldn't get out of the situation I was in, you know? <laughs> so There's only one way out that at that does point. Hate right. you. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I, I have no choice. I have to do this. And I kept kind of thinking to myself, I'm not the first woman to give birth. Tons of other women have done this. I can do this too. And you're at the point of no return now, you know? So that really helped get me through that after the epidural, I wasn't in pain. It was kind of like, all right, I have my team, I have a support system. Let's just do this and get it over with. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. I think I felt fairly okay throughout the whole process. I think I probably wasn't totally, totally, totally at ease until I was pushing because, like I had said, they had broken my water. So I was still anxious that I was going to run out of time. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they came back and checked, the first time they came back and checked, actually – he had dropped, but he had dropped, like, in a weird way. And so they had to then insert more salt water up. So I was also on all fours, yep. kind of with my tush in the air, as they were, like, sending more water up there to kind of, like, buoy him up so that he could drop in the right way. It was so weird. I was like, you broke all this water to get it out, and now you're pumping me yep. back full of full water. Of water. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um and then the second time when they came and checked and I was fully dilated and ready to push, it was like, okay, phew. Well, at least yeah, at least I'm within the time. And I'm going to do this kind of the way I wanted to. At the end of the day, it was the same method of delivery. Yeah, definitely. So you pushed the baby out. You bo- Both of you got your kids out. Um, 
what then happened after that? Did any of you have any complications with your children? Was there anything that arose after the fact that you thought, no, 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 I, I'm not prepared for this or nobody told me about this? I mean, not, not really. No I knew NICU that stays, nothing? No. Uh, mm -mm. I actually started hemorrhaging after he came out. So, you know, they put the baby on your chest to give you this bonding. And maybe after about five minutes, they said, okay, we got to take him away because you're losing too much blood. So that was the point, actually, that things started happening, I guess. I felt like there was not that many people in the room leading up to that. It was kind of calm. And then once they took him away, all of a sudden there were like 40 nurses in there. There were residents. Like my doctor had her whole forearm up my uterus and another um, doctor was like pressing down on my stomach trying to stop the bleeding. Oh, wow. And it wow. was frightening because you're just naked mm -hmm. on the table. And all and this is happening. And they're stabbing me with different needles in my thighs with various drugs to, I guess, I don't know, drop my blood pressure, increase my blood pressure, whatever it was. Um, I started vomiting. Oh, wow. They started getting really loopy. Like that's when, you know, the epidural doesn't really mess with your mind at all. It doesn't make you because it's from the waist down. Knock you out, right? Um, but whatever they gave me then started really like making it horrible. Um, someone tried to put an IV in my arm and like missed, and so there was just this oh. like extra needle hanging out. The doctor was yelling at people. She had to like push nurses out of the way and. So it, it became was very chaotic. Very chaotic, very scary. Um, I looked at my doula and I was like, if they have to cut me open now to stop this bleeding after I already pushed this kid out, I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> well, yeah, I we're keeping your perspective. All right. Point. <laughs> right. But did they know what that was connected to? Was it the result of not being able to pl pass the placenta? Was it something else? They don't really know. Um, they thought maybe the placenta had ripped away from the uterus. A wall kind of weirdly but they're not really they really weren't sure even after the fact they really weren't sure all I remember is the doctor saying that she felt something rough inside on my uterine wall so I don't to this day we still really don't know well good thing you had the epidural when all that was happening true I would think that if I mean you did we going through childbirth is a trauma to the body a beautiful trauma but a trauma I would think that after um, that aftermath would be doubly traumatic uh, with no pain medication. Yeah, true. But I mean, like I said, everything that they were like stabbing in me was all sorts of pain meds and mm. other meds, and I it just became a total blur at that point. But yeah, in by comparison, the whole baby birth was totally fine right and like okay cool and and so again these are things that people don't talk about they really don't so you had no idea that that could happen to you not really i mean maybe i had heard it like once but it wasn't something i dwelled on at all um my doula said that she hadn't had that happen to anybody in the two prior years so it does happen but not frequently not frequently so you stabilize both of you in different ways at different times but you stabilize then what? What happened after that point when you were both, you know, baby was okay, babies are okay, vital signs are good, you have stopped hemorrhaging, 
you have gotten over what you just dealt with, Heather. <laughs> what then happened? What did people not tell you was going to happen that you then experienced? One of the first things that I remember is, you know, they give you your child and then they wheeled me out to go into the recovery room. Um, and the very first thing I remember was that they handed me a colace so I, so it could help go to the bathroom because you have a very difficult time going to the bathroom after you give birth. Um, and the one thing that no one told me was that night, so I didn't have her stay with me in the room because I wanted sleep. Um, so she stayed in the nursery and you have a choice of getting pain medicine. And I was like, well, yeah, give it to me. I don't want to feel anything. You know, the um, epidural had worn off. And then I started getting really bad cramps, really bad cramps. And so I had called the nurse and the nurse said, do you have to go to the bathroom? And are you holding it? And I said, well, yeah, I was holding it because I didn't want to get up. And she was like, no, go to the bathroom. If you have to go, don't hold it in because it's going to be very painful. So note to self, if you have to urinate after you give birth, don't hold it in. Cause, or do anything, or, really. Yeah. yeah. Because you'll cramp. You'll cramp really bad. Um, So I learned that really fast. And then once you went to the bathroom, the pain was alleviated a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. But that's like the one thing I remember. It was in the middle of the night. And I was just, I thought something was wrong. Because I was cramping again really bad. I didn't know if I was hemorrhaging or what. Um, But yeah, it's just because I held it in. That's very interesting. I didn't think that that could be a possibility either. Who knew? What about you, Hannah? I think... Just the shock of then having to take care of this baby. And I think everyone tells you, um, you know, you can send the baby to the nursery or you can have it in your room and whatever the pros and cons of all those things are. Um, and we, ha- I remember we had him in the room for a while and he was asleep and they, the nurses swaddle him up so nicely in this blanket. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks totally totally doable I can do that and then you do it and he wriggles right out of the blanket and you're like oh my god and you like do it again and he wriggles right out and then you just feel so incompetent yeah. yeah and I think my husband and I one of us was up the whole time we were in the hospital just like watching the baby like don't die don't die don't die don't die <laughs> we made it 12 hours we made it 24 yeah. hours right is he gonna put this blanket over his face and like suffocate and like <laughs> I mean looking back now really he was just a little blob and nothing was going to happen but we didn't know we thought that he was just a you know a ticking time bomb that he was going to kill himself if we weren't watching him right (laughs) Right. what about when you got home were you prepared to go home and to recover in that way I mean I've heard everybody say take the underwear and the maxi pads from the hospital line those suckers with tux pads use the derma use whatever you can to heal from the trauma that your body is has just experienced did you guys find that yes yeah it's crazy how you're you have this whole huge new responsibility and yet you feel like you've just been run over by a truck and it's not like you can take a minute and heal yourself and then go you know take care of this other being you have to do both at the same time so it's it's a lot um I don't know. I felt like my mom described it best. She said it was just like a really heavy waterfall that you can't get out from underneath because it's just constant Mm -hmm. 
things. The deluge, yeah. It's just you don't have a second. And, I, you know, you just spontaneously start crying at random times. Because mm-hmm. it's a whole new world that you've never experienced before if you're a first-time mom. You don't know. You don't know what the next step is going to be. You don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes. Right. Is your baby going to be crying? Do you need to change your your adult diaper? You know, you just, you never know. And it's the unknown. And you can't anticipate any of it because you don't know what's going to happen. Do you wish that people had been more honest with you about this? Or would it have helped in any way? I think the honesty would be great, but... I've learned that everyone has their own experience. Everyone, it's different for every single person. Advice is great, but that doesn't mean the same thing's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's nice to hear it, to know that you're not alone. But you just, you you never know. It's completely different for every single person. Yeah, I think that I wish more people would talk about it. But on the other hand, I don't know that even if you heard it a million times that you would really understand until you go through it. You can say, oh, I, oh, okay. Um, Like intellectually, I understand what you guys are saying. You won't know until it happens. Not a damn clue. Mm -mm. No. Right. But I mean, and I know that. But it is really interesting. Mom friends of mine have been so supportive and, you know, they're like, text me whenever in the middle of the night. And, and I look at them and I say, I had no idea. I, I totally did not understand how your life changed because it's completely different in one day. It's completely different. And they said, welcome. Welcome, welcome. to the world. <laughs> welcome to motherhood. <laughs> it is a truly transformative process is what I understand. Um, and it's amazing to me that you have like nine months for the most part of, of bliss, right? I mean, there are obviously things that happen to a lot of women where, that are not ideal but you have nine months to contemplate this and then you have this marathon that you need to run in the span of uh, 12 24 36 hours right and then i just feel like everybody's like okay good luck all right have fun bye see you later Mm -hmm. call (laughs) us if you need us but in reality there is nothing that can prepare you for it quite like doing it right and that's the marathon really i mean the labor and delivery is really the sprint and Mm -hmm. then afterwards is the marathon and I think that's what's also very overwhelming is you think wow things have totally changed and they're not going to change back and I can't get out of this and I can't this just is for the foreseeable future and you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel and there is and things change and whatever but at the beginning it's that's why it's so overwhelming because it's never ending was there guilt for both of you um feeling that way like I can't believe that I'm like sort of stuck in this twilight zone here of healing while I'm healing and feeling that pain I'm also breastfeeding or feeding changing a diaper putting a baby to sleep trying to sleep myself doing it again over and over and over again for a couple of weeks was there guilt for either of you that nobody perhaps told you you might experience um because yeah. you felt like you were stuck in this time warp? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it did help to speak to other mom friends who expressed the same thing. And I had one friend who even said after her first child, she said after a few days, she looked at her husband and said, I'm ready to give this 
guy away. Like, <laughs> we kind of get the out of here. The husband or the kid? The kid. Oh. <laughs> She's so, like, you know, right. kind of like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. How do I get out of this? Um, she kept the kid, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And had another one. And <laughs> good. That's good. But there definitely is like, I had a few moments of panic like that, but it was nice to speak to other people and know that it was normal to feel like that. Did you feel the same way, Heather? Uh, I wouldn't say guilt. I think where I was after I had given birth and I had come home, I think I was just oblivious as to what I'd gotten myself into. Um, and the guilt just, it, it wasn't guilt. I don't, I don't know the right word. It was exhaustion and just frustration mm. because I'm a control freak. And if I wanted her to stop crying and she didn't, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm not going to hurt my child, but I want her to stop crying. <laughs> and she can't talk to me and tell me what's wrong. So it was just, you know, all these emotions piling on top of each other. And I'm here in New York City and all of my family and my husband's family is down south so we had no one we had no family so it was kind of just the two of us we had friends but it was it was a lot of loneliness even though I did have my daughter and my husband I was very alone at the same time and no one told you that you were going to experience that or no. that that was a possibility I knew it was a possibility because I did research um but no one thinks it's going to happen to them so that's true yeah did either of you decide to get outside help to get a, a doula to come and help you recover postpartum doula or a baby nurse or any sort of nanny after the fact to help you get through it? No, no but I should have. And why do you think you should have? Just because you felt so out of your element? Yes, because I thought, oh, I can handle it. You know, everyone has, people have babies every day and they're fine. So I thought, I'll be fine. We can do this. You know, we're, we're going to be a family. This is going to be great. And then I didn't realize how helpful it would have been to have a night nurse or hire someone to come help just so I could sleep for an hour. I should have. Um, and if I ever do it again, I probably will hire a night nurse or have family stay over. Or even just have somebody come clean your apartment. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that's a big deal. It is. Which. Yeah. I or didn't. do laundry mm -hmm. or do dishes or make you food my, my mom's in maryland so she's not too far and she came and what was lovely was yes she wanted to hold the baby and stuff but she took it upon herself to do the dishes make us dinner every night like without asking um you know clean the bathroom all those things where Sometimes I feel like family, they just want to be with the baby all the time. You're like, well, that's great. But, like, what I really need is <laughs> right. you to vacuum. <laughs> so maybe that's a good tip for moms, you know, especially if you feel like you don't know how to reach out to your network. Let them know it's okay to take over some of the mundane responsibilities that go into keeping a house or keeping an apartment. Absolutely. Because it takes the pressure off of you. Yeah, I think don't be afraid to ask too you know if your friends come over and they're playing with the baby say hey do you mind taking the trash on your way out or whatever right what about for dads or partners what do you tell them to get them through this because whatever happens to us happens biologically and physically for them I feel bad sometimes because I feel like they're watching from afar thinking all right coach is it time to be put in you know like right. I'm ready 
but I really don't know what I'm doing. So what do you say to them? Help out as much as you can without having to be asked to do it. Kind of like family, you know? And the little things, refill the diapers, take out the dirty diapers, or uh, clean the bottles, vacuum, do laundry. The little things that would be common knowledge it's not (laughs) and you know women are very empowering and we can do all of it and we can but it's exhausting and we're gonna get tired and I think for dads partners husbands whoever just be there and do things that don't have don't make us ask just Mm. just do do it it. just do it and I think also uh, everybody has their own way of feeling empowered and helping. Like I know for my husband, he didn't do so much research or reading ahead of the ahead of time, but after the baby came, I felt like he was reading everything, researching everything, you know, buying this or that, like doing all this like product research, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe this will help, maybe this will help. And some of the things really did help. And I was really happy that he had come across you know, of this particular swaddle, which really worked or whatever. So he really pitched in. I mean, he stepped up to the plate. Yeah. And I really think that probably, I mean, knock on wood, that most partners or support people, it just, they just do it. Right? Like, you just find a way to do stuff. It's not like asking. It's not thinking. It's just doing. You see that there's a huge pile of dishes in the sink and you just do it. My final question to both of you, are you amazed by yourself with what you have gone through or are you proud of yourself for having done this? Do you feel do you feel empowered that you have carried a child, birthed that child and kept that child alive? <laughs> I think I've I'm, only I've only at this point done one of those. So, <laughs> I feel like I'm more empowered now that I than I ever was, um even though she's a little older than 2 years old. Because just now is when I'm able to speak about my experience and tell my friends. Because I feel like when you have a child, you just you put on a face. Everything's great. My child's great. My marriage is great. Our house is great. Life is great. But there's mommy blues and there's, you know, marriage can struggle. And it's hard. And I had a very pretty severe uh, postpartum depression. Mm. And it's just now where I do feel empowered and stronger than I've ever been because I can talk about it and tell my friends and tell my family, you know, it was really rough. And I'm I'm stronger now, now than I ever have been because I absolutely adore my daughter. I adore my husband. It was not easy, but I'm in a better place now than I was. Just quickly tell me what were some of the telltale signs that you noticed when it came to postpartum that maybe you might have had an issue? Well, when I first went back to my first um, post appointment with my doctor, uh, my OB, she said, oh, that's just the mommy blues. And I knew deep down it, it wasn't. Were you feeling disconnected from Cadence? Very. Were you, okay. When I, and I knew, and from the very beginning, when they handed her to me after I gave birth, everyone sells, says it's a love that you'll never, you know, you can't explain. I didn't feel anything. She was my daughter and I was holding her, but I I said, hey, and I 
I didn't feel anything. And I knew deep, deep down that wasn't normal. And I, I loved her. I knew I loved her. I didn't want to see her get hurt, having her get her first shots and everything. It killed me inside. But I just didn't have a connection. I would hear her cry because she was hungry or wet and my heart would sink. And it wasn't because I felt bad that she was crying. It was because I didn't want to have to get up and attend to her mm. because my life was just so different. I wanted to sleep. I wanted to watch my TV shows and I wanted to go do laundry and I can't. I, I can't go by myself. She's my little shadow. She has to go where I go. And it, I just, I knew, I knew. And I think the biggest part that was kind of like a light bulb to me was it was Thanksgiving time and my mother-in-law came in town and my sister-in-law came in town and they cooked the whole Thanksgiving dinner and it was time to eat. And I just looked at the plate and I, I couldn't eat it. And I realized I haven't, I haven't eaten in, when was the last time I ate? And I hadn't eaten in two weeks and I didn't know it. I had no... You hadn't had like a proper meal. No, I had nothing in my stomach. Nothing. And I didn't even know it. And that's when I knew I said, something's not right here. Because the thought of even food made me just sick to my stomach. Mm. And that's not normal. So I knew right then, something's not right. Um, and I didn't say anything to my husband. I just remember they had left that next day after Thanksgiving. I texted my mother-in-law and I was like, please come back. And she was like, oh, you know, it's, we'll be back soon. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't do this. And I think that was the first time I opened up about it and yeah. said, I'm not okay. I need help. Yeah. And how long did it take you from that point to the time that you felt like you had the, uh, gained some ground under your feet again? It was a while. I mean, I went and got outside help. I got a therapist. I was on medicine. Christmas came. I had a a breakdown I slept for I think like 18 hours um and it was it was a while it was a while I would say a good I went back to work in February so I gave birth in October going back to work was the best thing for me I loved it mm -hmm. um and I think then in February is when because you regained some sense of yourself as well going back to work yes and were there any early indicators or anything in your past that you feel comfortable sharing that would have perhaps that that's and especially that somebody could, listening could think about to as an indicator of postpartum um I had anxiety for I was on anxiety medicine for a little while because I'm very OCD and a control freak and it's funny because I wanted to get off my anxiety medicine because I felt like I was fine I didn't need it anymore so I finally got off of it and about six months later is when I got pregnant and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to be okay because I was okay without my medicine. And I'm going to be okay now. But you just don't know. Mm. It, can, it, it can happen to anyone with or without anxiety or depression or anything else. You want to go? What's up, baby? <laughs> We're going to go in there in one minute. Come here. Oh my little, I think little Cadence has had enough of our talk about what really <laughs> happened. She's like, you know you love me, Mom. We're talking about how you got here. <laughs> okay. Aww. All right, we'll wrap it up. But thank you. Thank you for being so honest about that, too, because that's something that a lot of moms um, and uh, certainly expectant moms 
don't think about that that could I know that it hangs over you in terms of that could happen but you could have an experience like Hannah that went not according to the birth plan but afterwards you had a lot of support and you felt like you could do this job well it's interesting you say that because I felt a lot of the things that you were saying I felt I never it never got to the point of like not eating or or being diagnosed with um, postpartum depression but that like all those things you were saying about like the mommy blues and you can and you hear them crying and you're like oh you again <laughs> right yeah and it, you feel so bad saying it yeah. but it's so true and you're not alone in that yeah you're not alone well I think to your original question about being proud and um you know that you did all this I yes also so many people do it and go through it every day like Heather was saying but also I wish that people talked so much more about all the little things and I'm so happy that you're doing this podcast because like Heather's story about her postpartum but also just all the things she was thinking it's like I totally am with you I just want to give you a hug because I oh yeah and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this and think I didn't even realize that that could be postpartum totally and no one told me that that it could happen to me because I didn't have a history of uh, any sort of depression or anything like that. And you uh, don't have to have a history of depression right. for it to happen to you. But just all those emotions leading up to it, during the labor and delivery, afterwards, we don't talk about it, I think, as society enough. It's just really glossed over, oh, this happy moment, which it is, of course, but um, it's a hard it's a hard moment, too. And by the way, we're the only ones that can do it. As much as we love our guys. <laughs> it's you true. Know, it's you true. have other struggles, but this one is not it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Cadence. We appreciate you coming in, too. Pre-Motherhood with Teresa Priola was part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. This episode was recorded, edited, mixed, made awesome by Matt Onimus. The executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Imad Ashgar. Byron Harmon is VP of News, and our vice president and general manager of Fox 5 is Lou Leone. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments or you just want to say hi, reach out to me on Twitter at Fox5Teresa or on Facebook, Teresa Priolo NY. And stay tuned for our next episode.